This is the Saxo Market Call, the daily financial markets podcast across asset classes and around the world. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call on Monday, the 14th of August 2023. And we closed last week on a on a weak footing. Um, I don't think it was a big surprise. Um, the technical picture was not looking that great. Uh, still uncertainty around you know the inflation outlook, the economy, especially because of China. And China didn't help this weekend uh, with uh, you know the offshore bond market uh, really kicking into a, a nervous gear. With the the biggest real estate developer, Country Garden, have been almost in caretaking by the government for for some time, or at least the government, the Chinese government is trying to prop up the uh, the real estate property market, but it's um, it's still not helping to uh, completely offset all the, the weakness. And they skipped a couple of uh, coupon payments over the weekend, and uh, that created a, a more negative uh, move in the in the um, in the Hang Seng index, which you can see on slide three. It's it's very weak there, um, getting down to some of the, the the lows we had in July and 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 back in in late may if, if we take out some of these lows it would really spell spell trouble for uh, for global risk sentiment and uh, you can see the s p 500 it, uh, it started the session um on a weak footing which basically hovering around unchanged levels technically uh, we, we have been sliding ever since early of this month if you look at the cyclicals versus the defensive index which is an index by the msci so you take the four defensive sectors um and you compare their performance to the cyclical so the four defensive sectors we mentioned that Last week, with our stagflation uh, update on our to our analysis, um, it's the energy, it's utilities, consumer stables, and healthcare, and uh, you can see that rolling over there. So, um, and we want in particular to to highlight the AI cluster um, as as potential source for weakness in this uh, this session. But I'll get back to a few points on that when uh, when we get back to equities. But in the meantime, uh, we uh, we need to talk about speculative positioning in the market and this weakness in China and the big uh, positioning changes and a lot of things are going on in the bond market. And uh, I think you have some wonderful charts today on, on slide four. So, uh, so please um, take it away on, on what you're seeing on the speculative positions. Yeah, back from holiday uh, last week, uh, we obviously haven't talked about speculative positioning for a while, and uh, it's it's nice just to revisit those. And uh, what we starting off with the dollar, as you mentioned on slide four, uh, Peter, we we've seen a couple of weeks now of uh, short covering in the dollar. Uh, it's primarily been due to selling of uh, of of the euro. You can see there the the big blue line, blue uh, area is, is the euro long. So that has so that has been scaled back somewhat. So uh, that's really where most of the dollar a week the, the negative dollar view is being expressed uh, has been for quite a while. So um, so the dollar is is a tad uh, tad, tad stronger again today with that uh, concerns uh, relating uh, the, uh, the the overnight news from China. In addition to that, the yield curve has also um, has really been on the attack from speculators in in recent weeks. Uh, you have to remember, for every short there is a long. So uh, while the, the leverage fund community hold the big short uh, record almost across the curve, uh, the asset managers hold the hold the long position. So we're looking at leverage funds simply because they tend to be a little bit more price uh, responsive if there's any major change in the in the outlook. But what we find and uh, just by um, by 
basically need to look at the the value of one basis yield basis points uh, change because obviously looking at position doesn't make any difference make any sense when you when you compare two years with a 30-year bond because of the duration so taking duration into account you can see there's a massive short right now in the in the, in the ultra long end of, of the yield curve uh, more than uh, well, uh, around 185 million dollars per, per change in uh, per, per one uh, base point change in the yield. So uh, obviously that's really where there could be some fireworks is if there's a sudden change in the in the sentiment there. So uh, worth keeping in mind. But also turning to uh, to the commodity space, uh, last week was really a, a up until last Tuesday when this this reporting uh, week uh, ended. Uh, we really had a, a had a troubled week. Uh, trade data from China, banks being downgraded in the U.S., and uh, generally just a, a, a reversal of some of the positive sentiment we had back in June and July. And it helped add some some selling pressure uh, to uh, especially metals, both precious and industrial, as well as agricultural. As you can see on the on the the, uh, the slide uh, on on slide five, twenty four five out of or twenty five out of twenty four were bought, and the remainder the bulk was uh, was sold. And uh, something like a metal is is quite interesting because the gold the gold long has been cut to a March low. At the same time, we saw position in silver, platinum, and copper all flip back to a net short. So again, watch out for the for the price action there because they are obviously at this point in time looking for lower prices and are not geared for any any change in the sentiment uh, on on that front. And uh, if I just should add as well, the energy, um, the the crude oil market, I, I'm a little bit perplexed. We've had a very, very strong rally in crude oil, but we haven't really seen any aggressive uh, fresh longs in the market. The, the bulk of the change from speculators has been short covering, and, uh, and, and the same thing happened last week where we actually ended up uh, unchanged on the week in terms of positioning. And if we look at the price action today, if we look at uh, if China becomes a, a, a bigger, we're concerned that it, it is already that that potentially could be the trigger for a correction in, in Brent crude, which I would say at this point is long overdue. Looking at the chart down slide six, you can see that uh, we can actually drop all the way back to eighty one seventy five and still say that this is a, a strong uptrend. So, um, so some consolidation I think is is in order this time. And just to remember as well, the. The growth we've seen in oil demand this year, which basically means we hit a record in terms of demand, according to IAEA and OPEC, 70% of that increase in demand this year has been driven by China. So so if we do see a, a setback in China, then obviously it will have an impact as well on the, the overall level of demand for, for, for energy. So um, yeah, just worth keeping in mind um, as we head into this week where there will be plenty of, of uncertainty around, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And um Zooming in on today's activity a little bit uh, and, and out from the, the week ahead, a couple of uh, interesting focus points here on uh, Stocks to Watch. Um, we uh, had initial technical problems on the podcast, uh, so um, and I haven't been able to... Uh, I was working on my AI analysis, so I should have updated the, uh, the Stocks to Watch because we've had a big news. U.S. Steel is up almost 30% in pre-market. That's a huge bit for, uh, for takeover of U.S. Steel. This is a, a major deal for steel producers in the in the North American market. So that's definitely a story to track there in the U.S. session. Here in Europe, uh, the Agnelli family, which is one of the uh, the wealthiest and largest, uh, sorry, one of the the most wealthy families here in Europe, they have an investment holding company called Exor. And they have been announcing this morning that they have taken a 15% stake in Philips, Philips being this industrial conglomerate in the Netherlands. And there's an option in the deal to take the stake to 20%. And um, <clears throat> Philips has been... Uh, I think this has been uh, behind the curve on dealing with the, you know, 
being an industrial uh, conglomerate, General Electric and Siemens have taken uh, great steps to carve out their healthcare, healthcare businesses as separate listings. Siemens have recently done the same on their energy business, etc. I think it's a really good strategy because, you know, you don't need the diversification on the on the company level. Investors can do the diversification themselves uh, on the portfolio level. Level. So uh, often there is a value add to to have more you know more specific companies that are much more narrow, and then we can can combine portfolio as we as we want to. So and Phillips have not been able to do that. They've been holding on to this uh, conglomerate. Um, structure and there has been a terrible since 2021 there have been a big uh, product recall is very costly for Phillips but the stock has turned around and with this new stake from the Agnelli family I think it's a pretty big and sizable signal to the market and I wouldn't be surprised if sentiment and buying is coming in here at Phillips I think it's very important to have a committed long-term investor like the Agnelli family <clears throat> and then as I mentioned the AI stocks we had Phillips no not Phillips uh, Nvidia trading very weak on Friday closing down at 408-ish level and um, so just you know down 14% from the closing high back in July the whole AI cluster just seems more and more uh, weak um, there are reportedly you know activity numbers active users um, visitors to ChatGPT's website uh, considerably down over the past couple of months. Interest is really uh, going down on on AI related topics when you look at uh, search queries. So um, I think this is is coming to a little bit an end this hype and uh, could very quickly develop into something that is uh, that is very ugly technically because when you're sitting on these massive gains in semiconductor stocks, then uh, people are also very quick to take their gains and that can can reverse course of action and, and make it very painful. So so watch that and we'll be out with an AI take later today on analysis.saxo. A little bit about earnings this week. I've highlighted that on slide eight. There's a lot of blue um, blue mentions there. Um, today it's, it's all about May Twin and, and Xiaomi in China. Otherwise the focus this week is definitely on the consumer, consumer companies as you can see. And Xiaomi is expected to today to show a 6% decline in revenue growth for Q2, but then resuming to growth in Q3 and then accelerating into double-digit growth again, according to analysts, in, in Q4. So let's see whether they can deliver on that. Um, that would be quite uh, quite spectacular. So, But it is interesting to see the, the weakness in the real estate sector and the manufacturing sector of China. But then on the other hand, a lot of the consumer-facing companies have actually been doing okay in China. So that's an interesting divergence there in the story. And then Ole, the calendar... Can it be more empty? Uh, we have a Japanese Q2 GDP report uh, late tonight, uh, just before midnight um, CET CET time or GMT, sorry, I should say. But there, you have also put in a you know a weekly crop conditions and the harvest progress report. Yeah. Is it is it dull or is it actually an exciting report? Well, it is. It can be because we've had this uh, all these weather concerns in the US. But uh, uh, today I'm all uh, mostly put in just to make sure the list wasn't empty. So uh, <laughs> so there you go. But uh, no, it, it's a uh, joke aside. It, it's it is important because. Uh, but again, the uncertainty becomes a little bit l- has has reduced somewhat uh, this past month as as crop conditions improved. But uh, it does obviously give us a guide to uh, what can be expected in terms of production levels later this year um so uh, so that's why we 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 take it in and and and, and keep uh, keep track of it all right and um, tomorrow we're going to talk about CW survey uh, figures in germany let's see whether germany can come back and they're right now being called the sick man of europe and um that was an expression used in the 1990s and, and early uh, zeros before angela merkel took over and uh, 
I don't think it was her <clears throat> necessarily her job that they make a growth revival in Germany. That was very much a, a happy coincidence with China's uh, inclusion of WTO and, and and growth prospects there that lifted Germany. And now it's being called a sick man. Let's see whether that CDW survey can show that Germany is staging a comeback. Otherwise, it doesn't look good for growth there. And um, with that, I think it's a wrap. And uh, we'll be back same time and place tomorrow. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. <laughs>